June 9th. And now we turn to the New Testament, and our reading today will come from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 1 through 29. The main thrust of Stephen's message is that Israel always resisted the truth and rejected the deliverers God sent to them. They opposed Moses and repeatedly wanted to return to Egypt. They opposed Joseph, and he later became their Redeemer. They rejected the many prophets God sent to warn them and call them back to His way. Finally, they rejected their own Messiah and crucified Him. Israel's history reveals the patience of God and the hardness of man's heart. But it also reveals a ray of hope. Israel rejected their deliverers the first time, but accepted them the second time. This was true of Moses and Joseph, and it will be true of Jesus also when he returns. Now, Stephen's death was the third murder in Israel's history and a turning point in God's dealings with the nation. They had rejected the Father when they allowed John the Baptist to be slain. They had rejected the Son when they asked for Jesus to be crucified. And now they have rejected the Holy Spirit. There could be no more forgiveness. The line had been crossed, and the gospel moved out to Judea and Samaria. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. June 9th, Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 29. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and honorable fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he moved to Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole country would belong to Abraham and his descendants, though he had no children yet. But God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign country, where they would be mistreated as slaves for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God told him, and in the end they will come out and worship me in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. And so Isaac, Abraham's son, was circumcised when he was eight days old. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Jewish nation. These sons of Jacob were very jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him, and delivered him from his anguish. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom, so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of all the affairs of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan. There was great misery for our ancestors, as they ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. 
Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, seventy-five persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did all his sons. All of them were taken to Shechem, and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king plotted against our people and forced parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When at last they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him as her own son. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he became mighty in both speech and action. One day, when he was forty years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian mistreating a man of Israel. So Moses came to his defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his brothers would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you hurting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside and told him to mind his own business. Who made you a ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian, where his two sons were born. In the morning, before you go anywhere, you get up and you make a decision. I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. And when I go out... When I go out of this bedroom, I start dealing with my family. When I go out the front door and I start dealing with society, I am a personal representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to put on behavior that's going to represent Him. I have the mind of Christ. I have the Spirit of God in me. I don't have the privilege or the right, which is not really a privilege, to go out and just act like everybody else. And my real purpose in being here is not to please myself, it's to represent God and draw other people to Him through my godly behavior. If you get up every morning and do nothing but think about all your mistakes and all your problems and how you messed up yesterday and how bad you feel and, and, and about everything you don't have in life, I can almost promise you that you will not be able to go out and be nice to anybody. You got to wake up in the morning and you got to think some things on purpose. Don't just think and meditate on everything that the devil tries to drop in your head. You begin to think like God wants you to think. And you can do your own thinking. You don't have to just think whatever the devil offers you. You can do your own thinking. And one of the things that will help you is to talk out loud. Get up every morning, drop down on your knees by the side of your bed right away, and just say, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
help me today behave the way you want me to behave. You know, you work for God. You're on His payroll. If you go out and do what you're supposed to every day, you'll get your paycheck. God will take care of you. Come on, I'm talking to you. God will take care of you. We all work for God. But let me tell you something. You're not going to feat the devil laying on your couch watching soap operas and eating donuts. We need to learn how to live with intentionality. That needs to be one of the first laws of our living. And we need to realize it's one of the first rules of success. Intentionality. We have to do things on purpose. We can't just wait and see what falls on us. We need to do it on purpose. You do what you can do. You do what you know to do. That God has taught you to do. And then God will always do what you cannot do. Do you hear me? You do something to sow some seed so God can do the part that you cannot do. What you're facing may be bigger, stronger, more powerful. But when you refuse to worry, when you refuse to live stressed out, instead you stay in peace, thanking God that he's fighting your battles, knowing that he's in control. You are showing God by your actions that you're trusting him. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God is not just with you on the mountaintops. He's with you in the valleys when you're going through things. He knows what you're up against. The scripture says God is concerned about what concerns you. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without God knowing about it. How much more is God concerned about what's happening in your life? Trust him. Live from a place of peace. This is a decision we have to make on a daily basis. Because every day, there's something to worry about. There's some reason to get upset. All through the day, keep this phrase close to your heart. God's got this. He's concerned about me. He's working in my life. He's bigger than my enemies. He's lining up the right people. He's arranging things in my favor. That attitude of faith is what allows God to do amazing things. Today we're reading Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. Do not forget the Lord. Jesus warned, without me you can do nothing. And that truth is illustrated in this psalm. What good is all your working, watching, and waking if the Lord is not with you? Long hours and sleepless nights are a waste apart from the blessing of the Lord. This psalm is not a plea for idleness. For God expects you to work and watch, but He wants to work in you and to accomplish His will. And then, do not neglect your family. What good are a lovely house and a big income if the people in your life are robbed of the joys of a happy home? Children are a gift and a heritage, so appreciate them and guard them. They are like fruit, so lovingly cultivate them. They can be arrows for fighting the Lord's battles, so keep them polished and sharp and aimed in the right direction. 
Give yourself to building a home, not just a house, and building for the future, not just the present. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem, the Psalm of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is useless. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to His loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them! He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Proverbs 16, verses 28 through 30. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people deceive their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes, they plot evil. Without a word, they plan their mischief.